Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups Fallowfield and Mason. As we've been working alongside the pandemic for nearly two years, I wanted to interview founders who started their businesses in March 2020 and beyond, as anyone starting to think about founding a business will know no other world to operate in. As we know, this whole new world has thrown us curveballs, but not all of them are negative. So I'm hoping that hearing from recent founders with up-to-date work experience, so to speak, will really support more people in starting up. In today's episode, we hear from Rhiannon Lambert, one of the UK's leading nutritionists and the founder of Retrition and Retrition Plus. Rhiannon founded Retrition in 2016, and it has gone on to become a renowned Harley Street clinic specialising in weight management and sports nutrition. Alongside her first business, Rhiannon then launched Nutrition Plus in March 2021 to pioneer a scientific, food-first approach to supplements and well-being. Rhiannon also hosts the Food for Thought podcast to help listeners enhance their health and improve their well-being. Rhiannon shares with us her advice on the differences of running the two businesses, as well as how to put boundaries in place to protect your work-life balance. Hi, Rhiannon. Thank you so much for your time today on How to Start Up. It is great to have you here, especially as you not only started a company before the pandemic, but also during. So it'd be wonderful if you could start with a quick introduction as to who you are and a bit about the businesses that you founded. Oh, of course. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be able to talk through the business um, aspects and the things that we've been working on. So my name is Rhiannon Lambert. I am a registered nutritionist. So my degrees and master degree and the master practitioner are all based around helping people achieve more from what they eat and helping them be healthy and happy. Um, Alongside that, I am an author and I set up my clinic, the Retrition Clinic, where I run a team of health professionals back in around 2016. Uh, So that's been established for quite a while. Uh, I'm also a podcast host, Food for Thought podcast, which is one of the UK's top health podcasts. And the business that I launched uh, during, well, trying to launch, it took a long time. I have a supplements company called Retrition Plus, which has now launched post-pandemic. But obviously, we had the initial intention to launch that well, throughout. During the pandemic, I've actually written a Sunday Times bestselling book. I'm working on a new book, which is coming out soon. And uh, yeah, launched the supplements company. So there's a lot of different hats uh, to the nutrition and health business that I run. But ultimately, uh, through the social media channels at Retrition, we're here to help people. That's, That's the number one goal. Amazing. And that is a lot of hats. I mean, even with one company, you have multiple, multiple hats. So how on earth do you find, well, so many questions, a work-life balance, structure in your day, any time hacks? How do you do it all? Do you know, I've often been a believer in the less time you have, the more productive you become. Yes, forced to be it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely materialized over the years in that way. Now I've also, of course, my biggest role in life, which comes above everything as being a mother. So I've I've got a two-year-old and I'm currently 35 weeks pregnant recording this with another on the way. So it's never been more important to me to create boundaries And it's something I've got to be honest, I wasn't very good at, but I don't know how, if I'm being honest, how successful my businesses would have become if I 
had a better work-life balance. I mean, when you're self-employed and you work for yourself, it's in your brain 24-7. You know, I've never had a single day where I haven't thought about retrition or thought about something that I can enhance in the business or something I want to achieve or want to do. And there's a time where that can be extremely healthy. But I think as time progressed and the bigger the company became and the more hats, as you said, you know, the more things there are to do, the more important it became to put boundaries and especially as a mother so I can have quality time with my family and children. I try not to do too much now at the weekends, whereas before that would be ultimate catch-up zone. <laughs> yeah, that spare bandwidth that you can just keep going at the weekend. I recently discovered the love of a public holiday because everyone else leaves yes. you alone and you can just get on with stuff. Oh, yes. What was it about the timing that you wanted to do this secondary business? I mean, the Retrition, uh, so Retrition Plus, the supplements company, really came about because over the years uh, with my experience as a health professional, I was recommending whenever somebody needed an evidence-based supplement, it, I was recommending other supplements and never fully happy with them. Um, they weren't high enough quality. The quality gets lost. You know, a bigger a company becomes, the more successful it becomes. I think they skimp on the ingredients. And of course, there's the markup of price and there's all those things to consider. But when you're recommending for someone's health that they consume, ingest something, essentially, it has to be good enough. And when the pandemic hit, and I had my child in lockdown, my first, my, my son in April 2020. It was such a difficult time. And I was actually looking for things for my family just as much as other people. And I could find nothing, nothing that I could fully trust. So that's why I created my own brand. It really was a, a, a like a light bulb moment for me of why don't I just look into this? Obviously, I had no idea the pandemic would go on for as long as it did back in April 2020. But it was conceived during the pandemic, the business idea. And we've had so many setbacks along the way. Timing's been tough, you know, with factory workers getting COVID, people being sick, the ingredients, manufacturing, resources, all these sorts of things. Um, but we're finally, we're finally there. So it really came from the fact that I didn't feel there's anything anyone could try but now they can. And that's really interesting because I think a lot of people, we've seen a huge increase in company registrations at Companies House in the UK. A lot of people have come through this pandemic going, I'm going to start my own thing. So is there anything that you sort of want to impart to a new founder considering starting a business from scratch? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Top 100 tips. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Where do you start? Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me that was very useful is I've always known where my strengths and weaknesses lie, especially when it comes to the business. But that's something that I was lucky enough to have time with the previous, you know, running a clinic and that sort of aspect of things before. Um, know when to delegate, know who your team are and what what their strengths are and what they're going to bring to the table. And if it's just you conceiving an idea, think of who you can get on board for work experience and then perhaps they can grow with the company and then become an employee. So it depends where your starting point is, but really knowing that, right, well, for me, for instance, my strengths are probably definitely the fact that obviously I'm a nutrition professional launching a supplements company. I know about the ingredients. I'm very passionate about it. I love media work, presenting my social media, but I do not excel at uh, numeracy, numbers, the mathematical side of things, the spreadsheets that need to be kept on top of. I have a wonderful bookkeeper and all that side of things. So 
it's important to delegate would be my best advice because otherwise you can get very overwhelmed. And what have you found given you started pre and during the pandemic? Um, I think there there are pros and cons, as with everything in life. I feel that the pros have definitely been that the online marketing area has just blossomed. I actually found that during the pandemic, for instance, my clinic grew, almost doubled in size because we moved it to virtual because we couldn't do in-person consultations. There was more um, more demand in my particular industry, the health industry, but equally for people feeling like they can access things more frequently now because everyone's willing to go online. And that's a plus for any new business in terms of, you know, using social media or marketing online and getting your brand out there because there are more people switched on, essentially. I think it was the ultimate communication during that difficult time for so many. But the problem with that is that the in-person aspects, like getting a factory to create a product, roll it out, do factory visit, supply chain issues, all those sorts of things are a lot harder. A lot harder because companies took such a huge hit in the pandemic and then you've got the costs have gone up. So there's a flip side to it as well. But for us as a company, I would say the strengths definitely outweighed the toing and throwing we've had with <laughs> with the mistaken packaging. And we've even had trademark disputes with the name of the company. So that had to change halfway during the pandemic. There's always a bigger company that's on the lookout to block anyone else coming up in the same field, which was a huge learning curve for me. And one that financially as a small business, I couldn't fight off. So we just had to rebrand completely during the pandemic from the initial conceptive idea. There's a lot. Well, I think it's also really good to say it isn't easy. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, you started a company, you can have as many <laughs> annual leave days as you like, and you can expense everything. <laughs> I was like, I can expense everything to myself. Yes. But it, it's like people don't realize it's, well, I think a lot of people do realize it is a lot of hard work. But yeah. on that, what is the thing that you love the most about being self-employed? Being self-employed gives me the freedom to get things done quickly, which I love. <laughs> um, and I know it's, there's no waiting on a, oh, for instance, if we're working. There's no red tape. Exactly. There's yeah. no red tape. If I want an idea done, <laughs> created and rolled out, I can initiate that idea. I have the freedom and the power to pretty much decide. And I'm so passionate about my role and my role as a nutritionist and the message that I have to the audience that I'm lucky to have online, that if I decide one day, oh, I, I think everybody needs some, let's say, online webinars, which is something we're doing very soon with our health professionals so they can get more affordable access to healthcare. Or if I want to write a book on another subject area of nutrition, I can pretty much just start do you think you've become less patient since you've become your own boss? Because I think I've got so used to that pace now and I'm running at my pace and mm. I like that. But I think I've got to be really aware that that isn't everyone's chosen pace. Yeah, it's a really good question because I think it's it's more the expectations of others working with you that has to change because obviously it's my baby, it's my business, it's my company and I my brain might run at a million miles an hour but I have to respect my employees' boundaries that they want to clock off at a certain time in the evening and they don't want this, uh, this small business startup philosophy, we have to put boundaries in for their mental health and well-being that they switch their work phone on at X time in the morning and they do clock off and they have a weekend, whereas obviously 
I put it on myself that I choose to work and discuss my brand over over the weekend. So I think realizing that the people you employ and your team around you, of course, they're passionate just as much as you are about the business, but it will never be quite the same as Mm. your own. It's a totally different way of behaving at work, isn't it? Because if you're looking at your own company's budgets, and they would not necessarily be across that, but it's a different way of thinking and different way of working. And in terms of boundaries, I was really interested to ask if you had any sort of tech hacks for ways of working. I'm conscious I do a lot of work sort of out of hours and I don't want my team to be thinking that they need to reply. So have you brought in any systems that have helped you with that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. um, They crop up over time because of teething issues that happen or, you know, a member of staff has literally said, you know, I feel under pressure to reply when you put something in the WhatsApp group, for instance, everyone's got their company WhatsApp group or their Microsoft Teams or, you know, the, the way that they all communicate very quickly with one another. And it was definitely the work phones rather than using personal phones, expecting them to have it turned off the minute they finish work. So even if I'm sending messages to-do lists, I expect them to go through that to-do list when they clock on again at nine o'clock the next morning, not before or that evening. So it's just discussing it and being very open and honest. I also want my staff to get out for a walk every day because we're all working remotely from home still. It's very difficult to create that um, enthusiasm and mental well-being if you're stuck at a desk all day. Yeah, I want my team to be happy and healthy and I want them to go out for a walk. I've never before, and I've always cared for teams I've worked in, and but never before have I really made sure that's my number one priority every day is to yes. make sure they're doing well and they're happy and they're enjoying yeah. it. And over clients, and I've said it's quite a bold thing to say I care more about my team than my clients, but no, without no. the team, there will be no clients. No, clients. So, no that's yeah. exactly it. If they have a hospital appointment one day, then I want them to go. I, I don't want to make it a problem. You know, I want yeah. them to be <laughs> aware that their health is important to me. And I think taking work calls on a walk is actually a really good idea and something I'd encourage as well. If you don't need the laptop in front of you for a few of them, then definitely try and get out on a walk and do it. Yeah. Definitely. My colleague lives in Devon in the countryside, actually where I'm from as well. And he'll often call me out on a walk or he'll email and say, brackets, just making up for hours I missed yesterday because I've said completely flexible, it's up to you, but I have to trust that you're not working 24 hours, seven days a week. And that trust thing, like actually just very quickly, what do you not enjoy about being self-employed, given that we've talked about what you love? The trust is probably the biggest thing, loyalty and trust, because you place a lot of it when you're such a small team where you'll run your own business and it's on you. I don't enjoy as well the fact that, like you said, people make these assumptions that you have all of this time because you're self-employed. I actually think you have less time, if I'm being honest. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Less time, more stresses. It's just you have to love what you do. But I think that the the biggest thing for me is getting that quality time off without a problem cropping up that I need to resolve within the business or being able to switch off fully. That's the thing I least enjoy because sometimes I do envy people that have them. For instance, I'm a self-employed mum, so I don't get maternity leave or um, these other things that people... Paid sick leave. Yeah, Paid sick leave, all of those things that I may pay my staff but I don't get that don't apply to myself. So that's been extremely difficult to navigate. And it has its pros and cons when it comes to childcare. But still, I think that's been the hardest thing is the mother work-life balance 
being self-employed. And is there any advice you'd give people and what they should do as a practical solution for that or just learn to be at peace with it? it? It's a combination of both. It's acceptance. Acceptance is huge. Practicing gratitude for what you're grateful for, but at the same time getting organized and trying to do as much as you can. It does mean you're working extremely hard I'm in the lead up to having a child or having that time off, but to put all the balls in place so you can have at least a month or two after the baby comes to not be worrying about anything urgent and really briefing your team. It's really getting organized. And putting processes and systems in place. I think someone, it comes up in my brain every day, automate, delegate and solve. And if you can tackle something with that, then jobs are good. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, given that you're juggling podcasts, writing books, two companies, lots of teams, a family, everything, how do you stay inspired given that the buck stops with you? Um, Do you know, this is something that for me, I don't think it's ever been too much of a problem. I might have the odd blip day here and there. For me, the inspiration is, it's all around me every day. And when I do get a blip day where I feel, oh, I'm not too sure about the content for social media next month or perhaps the clinic's not getting as many inquiries as it normally does, you know, these sorts of things that happen. I'm very fortunate to be working in an industry where health is a topic that's on everybody's lips. It impacts everybody day to day. And I normally have a conversation with a friend or I try and do something for me, if I'm being honest, or have a look at what's in the news that day, headlines, and just try and have a read of things that I find interesting that can then inspire other areas of the business. And it hasn't been a problem I've encountered too much, to be honest, because the fact everybody has to eat to survive. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, there tends to always be something or somebody that, that crops up that can be quite inspiring. Actually, that leads me to my next question of lots of people have told me to look after my personal self before I think about my professional self, because without that, the other one's not going to exist. Mm-hmm. Given your expertise, are there any things that founders should really put in its groundwork, sort of mandatory self-care that you'd recommend? Absolutely. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and preach to people that I do this perfectly because I don't and I'm a nutritionist, but I always try and make sure that I have a scheduled lunch break in the day that I take time to actually get something nourishing in, that I'm drinking tons of water, that I'm not caught off guard. If I have to be somewhere that has to fit around my schedule and I'm not going to go somewhere for a day's shoot where they don't provide food or they don't provide basic things for myself and anyone that's coming with me that day because you're not going to perform well if you don't have fuel in the tank. It's such, it's such an essential aspect of life. And people might hear that and think, oh, that's obvious. But actually, when you're running at such a pace, oh, no. you can, I've got to sort of 10 p.m. at night and I've not drunk any water. Yeah. And then the next day you feel horrendous. Yeah. And the knock-on effect to those little things of sleep, eat, exercise. And for me, it's meditation. Yeah. And also time away from a screen. That's so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. When you, you suddenly go on this roller coaster and you, it's hard to keep up sometimes, those basic things might seem really obvious. But it's a complete roller coaster. And I think the stat is the average Briton drinks one glass of water a day which is shocking so if you you think about it it's just diabolical and a lot of people are very caffeine fueled 
stimulants basically that's psychoactive so it has an impact on the brain and highs and lows i was about to say does tea count because i i'm constantly making cups of tea as a bit of a break from the screen walk up yes. walk around come back down and i was like you drink yeah. a lot of caffeine and i was like is that a bad thing yes probably probably want to reduce maybe just switch to a caffeine free tea bag <laughs> yes easy and i still get the ceremony of a tea <laughs> you do and you get to leave your desk and i always say to clients the more water you drink the more you need the bathroom and the more you get away from your screen. <laughs> yes. I've got this question I ask people about managing clients or teams or suppliers. And I've just realized now that it's people. Like, do you have any people advice? Oh, gosh. Yes. I think treat others how you'd like to be treated is something I've always lived by. You know, no one wants to engage or work with a um, tyrant. Yeah. <laughs> you can put the word in my mouth. Exactly. <laughs> I prefer to have a really friendly base. In fact, learning the boundaries in such a small business between friendship has been tough over the years because obviously people you work with very closely become friends in some cases. Mm. And putting those boundaries in has been quite important. But at the same time, I prefer someone to be more of a friend that I work with than the other way around, just because it works for my type of ethos and company. That may not be the same for everybody listening, but I prefer to look forward to the day and have a good chat as well. I had this moment, I mean, I've just hit two years and I've got a team of three, but we're all in the office together and we're mostly yeah. remote, but we had a day together and we ended up sort of crying with laughter at the jokes yeah. at my expense. And it was just like, oh my goodness, I've made it. This is it. There's a team who are laughing at me. I, this is this is gold. <laughs> Wouldn't change it. So, but I know what you mean in terms of then you might have to have a difficult conversation with them. But if your relationship, whether it be a friendship, both professional, personal, is strong yes. enough, hopefully that managed. And my last question: Do you have any last golden nugget pieces of advice that you'd like to share with a new founder? I think manage your expectations is very important. You know, people are not overnight successes, no matter what you hear. And it does take a lot of graft and there will be low days. But after the low days, there are always higher days. So I think it's just, yeah, be prepared, be patient, but be accepting of the fact it's going to take a lot of work. And work-life balance isn't always achievable in those early days, but it, you will be able to get there. Thank you, Rhiannon, so much for all of your advice. It's super useful and very inspiring. I'm going to go and pour myself a very large glass of water. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> if you'd like to contact Rhiannon, you can find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.